Today we're going to have a, a, a conversation about material things, about finances, but not so much um, about a mindset. I think, um, I, think I, I learned something a little bit different this week. I always try to frame things in mindsets. If I can have the right mindset about something, then it governs everything else. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so uh, I want to give you a, a picture of, the, of a biblical mindset about material things and goods and money and all that stuff. And so um, we're going to look at Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Why don't you stand up in honor of reading the word? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll start in verse 9. And I'll, after we read this, I'll give you a little background about what's happening here with Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9, Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them, but I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Then in verse 10, he says this, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also is overflowing in many thanksgivings to God by their approval of this service. They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. We ask that you bless it, God. We came here to lean into you today, to move closer to you, and we pray your word would do that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. I could read through that portion of scripture again, and it almost matches word for word David's testimony. I need to give you a little background information, though, about why Paul was writing this. So Paul had written a previous letter to the Corinthians about a year, year before this in answer to some correspondence they had written him. And the church in Jerusalem was suffering. Uh, it was in extreme poverty famine, the church in Jerusalem was up against it, hard times. And there had been some correspondence between Paul in the, in the Corinthian church and other churches about collecting the offering to support the church in Jerusalem, to support 
not the church building in Jerusalem, but to feed people. Are you with me? So what happens is, in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he says, okay, this is the way it's going to happen. They were extremely zealous about doing it, about the opportunity to give, the opportunity to support the Jerusalem church. They, they were they evidently in their correspondence to Paul had said, hey, give us the opportunity to do this. We will do it. So Paul writes to him in his first letter and he says, hey, listen, here's the way I want you to do it. On the first day of the week, I want you to set aside the money because he knew they'd spend it on Starbucks. <laughs> hey, on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. Did you hear that? Store it up as he may prosper. So it was based on, you don't have to give what I give and I don't have to give what you give. It's, as, it's, it's individualized as you may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those. You accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, then they will accompany me. So now a year has gone by from that conversation as Paul writing, Paul's writing back to the Corinthian church and he's saying, hey, listen, about that offering. Remember a year ago how I told you to kind of, you were super excited about it. And I told you every Sunday or every first day of the week, set the money aside as you prosper. You know, just put some money aside for the Jerusalem church because when, it, when we get there, we don't want to have to collect it. Now, they couldn't text to give. They couldn't do it on the internet. They couldn't mail it. Somebody had to physically walk to Corinth and pick up the money. Boy, wouldn't that be a drag? So what happens is a lot of time would pass between these conversations. So now a year has passed between how he tells them to lay the money aside, and now he's writing them again. They're still not there yet. A year has passed, and he's saying, hey, about that collection. I need to let you know something about that collection. I've been bragging to the Macedonians about how excited you guys have been about giving. So what Paul does is Paul takes the, the testimony from the church in Corinth and goes to the Macedonians and says, hey, listen, Macedonians, hey, the church in Corinth is really excited about this. You need to get on board with this. And the church in Macedonia, the testimony we hear from them is they gave over and above what Paul even expected them to do in support of the church in Jerusalem. So now he's writing back to the church at Corinth going, hey, I was bragging about you. All of your zeal, all of your excitement, all of this, yeah, let us be a part of this. And now over a year has gone by and I'm writing to remind you that I've been bragging about you. It's kind of like when your parents go, man, I've got a really smart kid, right? Right? You're getting ready to take a test. Right? And you're like, yeah, mom, I'm smart. Jeez, leave me alone. It's one test. Paul said, I've been bragging about you. So here's the problem. If I show up, if I show up with people and you didn't make good on your promise, this is going to look bad on me and it's going to look really bad on you. So he's just having a practical conversation with him. Complete the circuit. Complete the promise. You made a promise over a year ago to do this thing. Now I want you to come all the way back around and complete the promise. Doesn't that sound logical? 
You made a promise over a year ago. Now we're ju- I just want to make sure you're ready to fulfill it. So um, I'll be honest with you. Maybe I'm the only one in here, but there have been times in my life where my zeal outweighed my ability to give. My wife's laughing because she knows. Anybody else? You're like, oh yeah, man, I want to be a part of that. And then they say, well, it's going to be $10,000. You're like, wow, yeah. Yeah, that's a really great thing you guys are doing over there. Man, that's amazing. Well, how much is it going to cost? Chris, it's going to cost $50,000 to make that happen. Yeah, we're going to be praying. You know, the God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And if he slaughters 7,500 of those things, he could pay for it for you. And a lot of times what happens is um, we have a, a sort of an American class, American middle class mentality about kingdom things. And I'm going to explain it like this. America has done a really, really great job of building a middle class. And I would venture to say most of us are in what we would call the middle class. I don't even know where it starts and where it ends. But if you ask everybody, no matter how much money they make, they go, yeah, I'm part of the middle class. It's like where everybody wants to be. And what we find out about the middle class is that we're all what's called consumers. Have you ever heard that before? We're all consumers. We're all working in order to what? Consume. So we get up in the morning and we go to work and we work hard all week and then we get paid. Maybe you get paid once a week or twice a month or something like that. You get paid. And when we get paid, we've already figured out what we're going to buy. But the truth of the matter is you've already bought it. And when we get paid, we're figuring out how to then pay for it, right? Because now the conversation for the last 30 years isn't, can you pay cash for this? It's how much a month do you want to pay for it? You realize even on my Amazon account now, you didn't know that. (laughs) On my Amazon account now, you know you can make payments without even a credit card or your, like, every time you buy something online, they say, do you want to pay for it now or do you want to make four payments? I'm thinking, they don't even know me. But that's the type of mentality that the majority of Americans in our culture have fallen into, the consumer mentality. I'm going to work and I'm going to buy the things I like. I'm going to work and I'm going to buy the things I like. I'm going to work and I'm going to buy things I don't like. Because I can. Because I can order from Amazon and send it back. So I'm not going to buy one. I'm going to buy four of them. In four different colors. And then when I get them to the house, I'm not going to like any of them. I'm going to send them all back. And the only person getting rich is UPS. And we just keep doing this cycle, this cycle, this cycle, this cycle of consumerism, consumerism, consumerism. I need, to, I need to talk to you a little bit this morning because consumerism is not the way the kingdom of God works. It's not. Paul's writing to the Corinthians saying, hey, listen, I need you to be as zealous for the collection as, as you were for the idea. 
He actually says, it's superfluous for me. That means it's, um, it's silly for me to have to do this. It's, it's over the top. It doesn't, it's, it's repetitious. It's, I shouldn't have to say this. It's superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know you're ready. Now we just need to close the gap. So he's saying, I need you to live in a way that is not just consumeristic. I need you to live in a way where you're, where you're able to produce something for the benefit of someone else. He was encouraging them to, to finish it, to provide, not consume. Because you know what? Nobody has ever eaten zeal. Is that true? We've eaten veal, just to clarify, but nobody's ever eaten zeal. Hey, brother, I'm praying for you that God will provide. I'm praying for you that, 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 it'll, that it'll come about. I'm praying for you that, that you'll get enough. But nobody's ever eaten prayers. Nobody's ever went to bed at night on a stomach full of prayer. And here's what I figured out. God might cause five loaves of bread to fall off the back of a truck, but they've never fallen out of the sky. And it hit me the other day that he always uses one person to provide for someone else. But there has to be a mentality change in order for that to happen. There has to be a mentality change for that to happen. Because if we just waited on the bread to fall off the bread truck, there ain't enough bread trucks for all, you know what I'm saying? So all of a sudden, in kingdom-mindedness, the circumstance changes, and there's a choice to be made. Now, how many, how many of you had kids, right? A lot of you had kids. Um, some of you have kids beside you. Some of uh, you had grandkids. Uh, do you remember when your kids were first born, they were what we would call um, the perfect example of a consumer, they don't produce anything that you actually want. Matter of fact, everything they produce, you throw away. Is that true? Come on. And what they produce makes your stomach sick. Like all you feed them and provide and provide and provide. And then what comes out makes you nauseous. Even up into their teens. So what do we say? What do we say? As parents, we are super excited when our kids go from consuming to... And we tell them, at least in my house, they were 12 years old, like, hey, bro, you got to get a job. <laughs> like, you're 12. You've been walking for like six, eight, what? Uh, a lot longer than that, actually. You've been walking for like 11 and a half years. It's time to get a job. It's time to start producing. I couldn't wait till my kids started producing because then I realized my level of production might have, might could go down. Do you know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, the idea, and when you're a parent, all jokes aside, and your kids grow up and become adults and then start producing goodness out of their independent lives, it's a source of pride for you, isn't it? It's a source of like, man, we did the right thing. Our kids are 19, 21, and 24 years old, and they're like, they're old, and they're, 
They're out there getting it done. And there's more cause of saying, hey, this is what we're doing, and less cause of, hey, I need this from you. Do you see the switch? Do you see the switch? Because even in our middle-class society, we call you mature when you start producing. Yeah, when you start producing. In every sense of the word. Think about it. When your kids start producing words, you go, oh, look how they're so smart. They said, dada. And it wasn't even that early. But every time they start producing, we're like, whoa, look, they poopied on the potty. Look at that. Wow, they produced. And we get excited and excited, like, cheered on, cheered on. And then something happens about that mentality. Something happens. And instead of continuing to encourage production, we start encouraging consumption. And we start asking questions like, well, what, what kind of car are you going to buy? What kind of house are you going to buy? What kind of this are you going to buy? What kind of this are you going to buy? What kind of this are you going to buy? And we start having, as parents, more talk about what they're going to buy instead of what they're going to produce. Think about how that shifts. All through their high school years, we're, we're talking about producing grades and producing homework and producing tests and producing this, producing that. Come on, you got to, adults produce, adults produce, adults produce. But then... In reality, what we're showing them is that adults consume. And so it takes very little time between 18 and 25 years old for the thing to, for the switch to flip and they go from, hey, I've got to produce all this stuff to now what can I get? And we fall into the trap of just consuming, 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 consuming. But the Bible says that maturity still looks like somebody that produces something not just consume something. In a biblical economy, it's about production. Paul was not quoting scripture, but he was quoting a, a known parable at the time. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We've talked about that before. It's common sense. You put one seed in the ground, don't expect a whole field full of crop. It's common sense, right? I was talking to somebody in the office the other day. I said, I know why we as Americans don't get this anymore because we don't plant seed anymore. We put them on our stupid bagels. I don't get it. Leave the seeds off the bagels. You plant them and you eat the gluten that comes out. I know it's a sore subject. He said, if you sow seeds sparingly, you also reap sparingly. So what we have in the American culture is we're not sowing anymore. We're just consuming all the seed. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctant or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So the issue is this. Finances and material things in the New Testament are dealt with from a heart perspective, not a law perspective. This is going to make some of you nervous. But, but the Old Testament was a 10% tithe. Anybody know that, know that terminology? Anybody know that term? Okay, the Old Testament, the law was a 10% tithe. You really don't find that in the New Testament. You don't find anybody saying, hey, Paul's not saying, hey, make sure you give your tithe so we can support the Jerusalem church. No, he says, as you prosper, set it aside, whatever you decide. 
set it aside. That makes, that makes some people nervous because what if they only give 2%? Well, if, you got, if you're 2% sower, then you're going to get 2% results. I used to tell my parents that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 75% grade kid. That's just what I am. You know why? Because I put 75% effort into this bad boy. Ha <laughs> ha! And I put the other quarter into drinking. So well, there we go. We're just going to get it all out on the table. So I think you should be proud of that 75. <laughs> so we get all hung up on, should I tie, should I not tie? 10%. Man, that sounds like a lot of money. trouble is we come at it from a consumeristic point of view because if I'm thinking about in a consumeristic point of view, then if I make $50,000 a year, then then $5,000 a year, what could I do with $5,000? What could I get with $5,000 a year? Somebody who makes a lot of money doesn't think that way. They think, what could I produce with $5,000 a year? See the difference? Paul is talking to people about a kingdom mindset, not an American church mindset, not a consumeristic mindset. Paul's saying, listen, the way the kingdom works is that you're trying to multiply production, not multiply consuming. So the issue with the American church, and even me at times, is I pray more about what I want to consume than what I want to produce. And I get all tangled up in my head because I believe blessing is God giving me something. I believe blessing, when I do the right things, when I give enough to be blessed, then I'm happy. And we hear things like this. We hear things like this. Um, um, Well, well, you know, how are you doing? I'm blessed. Why is that? Because I've got what I want. I got what I want. The New Testament says it's, it's not about the law. It's not about the letter of the law. I gave 10% and that's it because I've known a lot of stingy people give 10%. I've known a lot of stingy people give 10% because they're, I, I, the same people drive the speed limit. Because it's the rule. Now, if you give 20%, you can speed because you're a rule breaker. (laughs) When we get to the New Testament, it's not about the rules anymore. It's about faith. And how much do I trust and how much can I produce? Ah. Because Paul says that we're to produce righteousness, that, we are, that, that, that our giving produces things. So now I've got to switch it around. Now I'm a farmer of faith. Now I'm a farmer of righteousness. Now I'm not, now I'm just, not just consuming in a grocery store. Now I'm the one providing it to people. And I've got to have a different mindset when it comes to that. I've got to be, I've got to be, intent on where my heart is. I've got to have a change. I was reading John Piper this week. 
He's talking about this idea of having a mindset shift about law and faith. And he says, suppose a football coach does not say to us, high school team, every must, suppose a football coach says to us, high school team, everybody must get up at five o'clock every morning and run three miles so as to be fit for the maximum effectiveness of this team. Now that sounds like a drag to me, doesn't it? First of all, I don't like running. But instead, he doesn't say that, but instead the coach says, I want you to love this sport with all your heart and I want you to give it all you've got this season. I want you to pursue maximum excellence and serve this team to make it as great as it can be. Now, which one of those things, now which one of those two ways of talking to the team sets a higher standard? The second way doesn't have any rules attached to it. The first one does. Up, up at five every day, three miles, it sounds pretty rigorous. But I think the second word from the coach is the higher standard. He touches the heart of the team members. And if any of them uses the absence of rules to justify half-hearted allegiance to the team, he is simply not following the heart of his coach. And so it is with giving in the church. So Piper is saying, we got to switch it from a rule-following mentality. Well, how much do I have to do to get in the club? How much do I have to do to do this? It's a consumeristic mentality. It's, it, it's all about like, what do I have to do to get what I want? And in the kingdom, it's not about that. It's about what has God given me that I can, what I can, what can I produce with that? What can I produce with that? And what we produce shows where our heart is. Am I just pr producing debt over and over and over again? Or I'm, am I producing a profit that can go towards ministering the gospel to rescuing a child from poverty. Paul is instructing that we have to make up our minds, make up our minds whether we're going to be consumers or producers. He said, you got to decide what you're going to produce out of this. And it, the formula is easy. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Did you hear that? He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will, everybody say it out loud together, will... How do we know we're mature? We start producing. Now, guess what? If we're producing, not only does it bring a child out of poverty, but it also produces thanksgiving to God. So we just sang a song. I think, what was it? Wake up my soul or don't you get shy on me? Lift up my soul. And we're like, yeah. And what we've been convinced of is that the only way we can produce worship is to lift up our hands and yell out with our mouth, which I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. But here's what I just found out. I can actually change my mind about, about the economy, the way I've been taught, and the way 
that the kingdom economy works and I can produce thanksgiving and worship to God by providing for somebody else. Not just lifting my voice, but going, hey, listen, there's a need. I provide for it. Guess what? God's gifts worship both ways. I worshiped him twice today. And matter of fact, guess what? I can only worship him so much with my own mouth because I can only say so much. Now, here's, here's where the middle class American church messes up. Because we say, well, how, Chris, how much is enough? What if I said that to you as far as your house? What if I said, well, how big a house should you have? I don't know. I ain't getting into that. How nice a car should you drive? I don't know. I'm not getting into that. All that I know is that you should keep producing. Amen? When, when Jesus tells the parable of the talents, he's telling, he's telling a story about when the master comes back, when he comes back at the end, the second coming of Christ to receive the church. This is what I want you to be found doing. Multiplying everything I gave you. It said he'd be gone a long time. Multiply everything I gave you. So I started thinking about it like this. Lord, you gave me this, I'm gonna multiply. Well, how many times do I multiply? Can anybody tell me? You know what? I think that's the part he left out. He never, he never put a limit on it. Wouldn't it have been easier if he, if he said, hey, if you make 50,000, if you make $100,000 a year, now that's the limit. You don't make any more than that. Or if he said, if you make 100,000, make 200. That's the limit. Don't make any more than that. No, but he didn't, did he? He said, whatever he's given you, keep multiplying it over and over and over. So my, my personality, my, my thing as a pastor, my mentality is, is I think we should consistently be taking all that he gave us and we should be consistently multiplying it over and 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 over. And when he comes back, we go, hey, listen, I spent the whole time multiplying everything you gave me. Because what I realized was, is when I was a little baby in Christ, all I did was consume. When I was a little baby in you, all I, I was just like, oh Lord, you gotta help me. My neighbor's mean to me, my wife's mean to me, not, not you. My kids are mad. I need you to help me, Lord. I need you to help me. 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 Anybody ever been a season like that? I need you to help me. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like a three-year-old in Walmart. But at some point in time, Paul, Jesus, everybody that wrote in the New Testament says, it's time, boys and girls, to grow up. And when we grow up, guess what we're supposed to start doing? Producing. And there's no biblical limit on how much you produce because Jesus and Paul connected what we produce with funding the kingdom. The 1030 service will clap right there. You guys can get off the hook because you're nervous in front of the cameras, whatever. The issue is this. The issue is this, Paul says this, if you want your cup to overflow, learn how to be a producer, not a consumer. Amen? 
if you want your cup to continually overflow, continual. Learn how to be a continual producer because he says, if you sow, then the then he will increase the storehouse of your seed so that you can continually, on every occasion, continue to provide. So I'm telling you right now, when I started working in this church making $10 an hour, I remember sitting down with my wife and saying, We're gonna, I'm gonna do whatever else it takes to be generous. I'm not gonna just sit here making $10 an hour complaining that I don't make enough money. It is time that we grow up, put a work belt on every now and then and say, Lord, you called me to produce and I'm gonna not consume everything I produce because you've given me the ability to do that and I'm gonna mature in my relationship with you and I'm gonna start being a productive member of the kingdom. And what that means is every time you give me the opportunity, I'm gonna have produced so much that I can give to that opportunity because he will enable us to do that. It's promised. It's promised. So you may be sitting here this morning going, oh, Pastor Chris, I don't know. I don't know. You have to have a mindset shift at some point in time in your life. The light switch has to flip on that he didn't just call us to buy things. He called us to be producers. He called us to be employers. He called us to be the ones making it so that we could supply it for others. Amen? That's a totally different mindset than the church has. Come on, stand up to your feet. We got to get a grasp on this church. We got to get a grasp on it. We can't walk around talking about we don't make enough, we don't make enough when we don't make enough because we don't think like producers. We don't think like that anymore. We have to wake up to the idea that God said he would supply for those who will plant. And farmers don't eat everything that comes out of the ground. They plant more than enough. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. Switch your mindset. I'm going to produce more than I need. I'm going to keep multiplying it over and over until he comes. If you make a million dollars next year, make two million dollars a year after. If you make 10 million, make 20 million a year after. There is, he didn't put a limit on it. So get out of this idea that, oh, it's too much. No, I'm called to produce. I'm called to produce because somebody is always going to need help. Somebody is always going to need support. And he has called us to do that. So, Father, we ask you, change our minds this morning, Lord. Change our minds this morning. Lord, yank us out of a poverty mindset in the most rich country on the planet. Tear us away from consumerism, Lord. Make us producers today. And we pray, Lord, that children will be freed from poverty today because, because a group of people decide to be producers. Lord, grow us up in your kingdom today. Mature us today. And Lord, we pray that a multiplied harvest would bring righteousness to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, church. Can you give him praise this morning? Amen.